The biggest Georgia political questions of 2023 revisited. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. Patricia Murphy is on a well-deserved vacation. If you're just listening to us for the first time, welcome. We invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. It is your holiday edition of Politically Georgia. And today we want to revisit some of the biggest questions of 2023 that we pinned way back in December and see how those predictions, how those big questions are going. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm going to start the show by reading you words I wrote late last year. After another chaotic election cycle, the status quo held in Georgia. Governor Kemp fended off both Stacey Abrams and Donald Trump to win another term, and almost every other statewide Republican notched hefty victories. Democratic U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock's runoff win, meanwhile, solidified Georgia as a battleground state. At the dawn of 2023, Georgia is poised for another big political year. Kemp and Warnock aren't just the two most powerful politicians in Georgia. They're now bona fide national figures. New state leaders must find their footing while Democrats search for a potentially different path forward after demoralizing losses. Here are some of the biggest questions in Georgia that your AJC team will be watching this year. The very first question is this. Will Donald Trump face criminal charges for trying to overturn Georgia's election? And as we know, as we're listening to this in early July, we still don't know that answer. Here's what we wrote way back then. It might sound hyperbolic that some legal analysts are already calling the possibility that Trump could face prosecution for his attempt to reverse his defeat in Georgia a potential trial of the century. But if Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis decides to prosecute Trump and his allies on charges that they criminally interfered with Georgia's 2020 election, the fate of the former president would be on the line, even as he wages a comeback bid. Well, we still don't know the answer to that question, but we're likely to find out in mid-August. And I don't think anyone will be surprised when Trump and some of his key allies are indicted. That's because, judging by the public statements of special grand jurors who spoke either on background to the AJC or on the record, they all indicated that big names, very, very well-known names, were on their list of folks who they are recommending to face criminal charges. But there's a big difference from when we wrote those words way back when in December. The difference is that while it's still going to be a monumental court case, Georgia has a lot of competition. Donald Trump faces state charges in New York arising from hush money payments during his 2016 presidential campaign. And in June, he became the first former president to face a judge on federal charges that he hoarded classified documents and then interfered with the government's attempt to get them back. And beyond Atlanta, there are ongoing investigations in Washington into his efforts to undo the 2020 election results. So Georgia is not just playing second fiddle, the state could even be playing third fiddle if these charges go forward. Now, Trump has pleaded not guilty and said he's the focus of a witch hunt by his political enemies. 
He's doubled down on that argument just a few weeks ago here in Georgia, doing his first campaign stop since relaunching his bid for president. This is not to say that charges against Trump would be mundane or regular or routine, but it is to say that now that we've had other states and other charges go forward, Georgia's not playing the same front and center role as we anticipated way back in December. Our second big question, how will Georgia's top politicians navigate their rising national profiles? Here's what I wrote way back in December. Governor Kemp and Senator Warnock have conflicting views on just about every issue, but both were able to appeal to middle-of-the-road voters to win re-election and submit themselves as national figures. Now they have an outsized role in one of the nation's most important political battlegrounds, and their every decision will be magnified beyond Georgia as the race for the White House heats up. So how are Georgia politicians navigating the rising national profiles? Well, let's start with Kemp. He's not made any clear steps to run for president, but he has endeavored, he has pushed to stay in the 2024 mix. Not necessarily as a presidential candidate, but as a potential VP nominee, as a potential cabinet appointee, and just as as a Republican who is weighing in and trying to push the GOP to win Georgia, one of the key battleground states. Kemp has said the GOP needs to move beyond Trump, and he's aimed to focus on the economy and public safety rather than the former president's grievances about his defeat. He's also taken three overseas trips to Israel, France, the nation of Jordan, and the Davos Conference in Switzerland as he tries to beef up his foreign policy credentials. And he secured most of his post-election agenda in the Georgia State House. So he's definitely staying in the conversation, of course, not just in Georgia, but beyond. Senator Warnock, though, has kept a much lower profile since winning another term ceding some of the spotlight to his fellow Georgia Democrat, Senator John Ossoff, who's up for a vote in 2026. But of course, Warnock is still one of the state's dominant political forces, and he's advocated for voting rights, gun control, and other progressive ideals. He also made nice with President Biden after steering clear of him throughout much of the campaign trail last year. Earlier this year, the two even joined forces at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where President Biden spoke of MLK, of Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. But since I wrote those words in December 2022, another name should be now added to the mix. That is of Marjorie Taylor Greene, whose political standing has grown since winning another re-election battle and since Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy took the gavel. She's no longer the pariah that she was in the U.S. House. Now she's actually one of Kevin McCarthy's chief deputies. Her racist and xenophobic rhetoric hasn't changed, nor has her propensity to spread lies and falsehoods and conspiracy theories. But she's also taken a more, dare I use the word, pragmatic approach. Just a few weeks ago, she was one of the key Republicans who voted for Speaker McCarthy's debt ceiling deal. And she even said that Republicans shouldn't live in a conservative fantasy land, that they had to be more rational about what they could accomplish in Congress in a divided government. Marjorie Taylor Greene could very well be in the VP conversation if Donald Trump emerges as the nominee, or she could also be talked about as a cabinet appointee or another high up office. So stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to go to three more questions that we posed way back in December 2022 and give you the mid-season reviews, the mid-season answers to those questions. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. 
A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast. This is Greg Bluestein. Patricia Murphy is on vacation. Patricia and I don't just produce this podcast twice a week. We're also two of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, and you get three months of unlimited digital access for less than a dollar. At subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Okay, we're back to our midterm review of Georgia politics and Georgia lawmakers. Way back in December 2022, we asked five questions that we thought would define the state of politics in Georgia this year. We just talked about the first two, which is, will Donald Trump face criminal charges in Georgia? The second was, how will Georgia's top politicians navigate their rising national profiles? That leads to question number three. Will Georgia's new legislative leaders find their footing? Here's what I wrote in December. For more than a decade, House Speaker David Ralston was a constant at the state capitol, a moderating influence, if not a moderate, amid a gold dome full of ambitious legislators keen on knee-jerk reactions. He formed a trio with Governor Brian Kemp and Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan the past four years that shaped the state's agenda during the coronavirus pandemic and the resulting economic crunch. Of course, Speaker Ralston died last year. Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan decided not to seek another term in office. So now we have new Speaker John Burns and new Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones. They're off to an interesting start, to say the least. There wasn't as much drama, at least at the start of the legislative session, as Governor Kemp was able to secure much of his agenda, working with the new Speaker and the new Lieutenant Governor. But Burt Jones, in particular, emerged as something of a wild card. He brought issues to votes even when he knew they were doomed, like a gambling initiative. He pushed a Buckhead cityhood measure that Kemp and his allies rejected. And near the end of the legislative session, Burt Jones went toe-to-toe with Governor Kemp on a push to loosen hospital regulations, and he lost. Now, Burt Jones has said he might run for governor in 2026. Uh, We here at the Politically Georgia podcast see that word might as a will. (laughs) We expect Burt Jones to run for governor um, or another high office. So he's already positioned himself as a conservative who's even willing to outflank Governor Kemp on certain issues. That has already colored this year's legislative session. and It's certainly going to shape next year's and the year after that legislative session. John Burns, by contrast, receded more from the spotlight, didn't pull many surprises, um, steady leadership, we didn't see him try to um, grab a lot of headlines or or make sudden pushes near the end of the legislative session. He's got a different challenge at hand, though. Whereas Burt Jones was elected, uh, had a mandate with the statewide election, John Burns was elected by the members of, of his caucus and the members of the Georgia General Assembly. So rather than a statewide vote, he's got to appease, he's got to deal with the members of his GOP caucus and 
the needs and concerns of House lawmakers. So it's very different management styles, very different political skill sets. Uh, so we'll still see how this question continues to evolve, especially going into an election year session where we expect a lot more red meat on the table. Not to say this was a tame session, but there's a lot of unfinished business left on the table that we're going to see certainly uh, get brought back up again in just a few months. So the midterm grade for these guys, I would say still very much up in the air. Our fourth question, where do Georgia Democrats go from here? Take the Wayback Machine back in December. This is what I wrote. For much of the past decade, Stacey Abrams' vision for attracting Democrats reigned supreme in Georgia. She made the case that by embracing liberal issues and mobilizing irregular voters, Democrats could both energize the base and woo swing voters. Talk of moderate stances or steering clear of national Democrats was seen as Republican light fence straddling. But this election cycle put Abrams' approach in the crosshairs. Despite record-shattering fundraising, Abrams was walloped by Kemp, and most other contenders on the party's ticket also lost by hefty margins. So where do Georgia Democrats go here? Well, the jury's still out. There's a void among Democrats at the state level with no clear voice taking precedence. Senators Ossoff and Warnock are preaching bipartisanship at the federal level while at the same time advocating for their progressive agenda. But there's not been the same state voice that we've been accustomed to from Stacey Abrams and her allies pushing back on Republican causes and Republican initiatives. At the same time, there has been, there's also not a clear inheritor of Stacey Abrams' role on a statewide level. We haven't seen any Democrats really push to the forefront their vision of where the party should go in 2024 or in 2026. Congresswoman Lucy McBath is widely expected to run for governor in 2026, and it's not like she's been taking a low profile. She's definitely out and about, but we haven't seen her take the same sort of stances on public issues that we have Stacey Abrams, or at least we've been accustomed to seeing Stacey Abrams take in the run-up to her two bids for governor. Heading into 2024, Democrats believe they have a few things going for them to put them on even better footing than they were in the midterms. Outrage over Supreme Court rulings, the decision last year that overturned Roe v. Wade, and a spate of rulings this year involving gay rights, higher education policy, and Biden's debt relief agenda could energize Democratic voters. Plus, any Democrat in Georgia will tell you that Donald Trump could be the ultimate get-out-the-vote mobilizer for Democratic voters and for those middle-of-the-road, moderate voters who we've seen vote Republican in some election cycles, Democrat in others. Those 2 or 3% of the vote were the difference between Herschel Walker and Senator Warnock this past election. Many of those same voters voted for Governor Kemp in that same vote. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll also continue to watch over the next few months to see if any Democrat on the state level emerges. Again, we've heard plenty from Congresswoman Nakima Williams and Lucy McBath and Senators Ossoff and, and, and Warnock on the federal level. But it, it has been hard to find a Democrat to fill sort of the shoes that Stacey Abrams had in Georgia on state level politics, especially when it comes to Governor Kemp's agenda. And this role, we've, been a, we've grown accustomed to Stacey Abrams and her allies pushing back on GOP policies. And we've certainly seen local Democrats and legislative leaders also take aim at, at Republican priorities and Republican policies at the state house. But it's hard to fill that void, you know, that we've seen from Stacey Abrams and her political machine the last eight years. And our fifth and final question, 
how will Georgia start to shape the 2024 field? Here's what I wrote in December. If Joe Biden and state Democrats have their way, Georgia voters will play a consequential role in shaping the race for the White House. The president stunned Democratic officials in late 2022 by proposing a new presidential primary schedule that catapulted Georgia into the first wave of states to decide the party's nominee. And Democrats are circling Atlanta as a finalist for the party's 2024 convention. Well, folks, spoiler alert, but we have the answer to those two questions. Two things that we certainly know of right now. Atlanta did not get the 2024 convention, lost its bid to Chicago. And the early primary date is a no-go. Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger balked at the idea of having Georgia join other early voting states, and so did pretty much every other Republican leader in Georgia. So instead, Georgia will hold its primary March 12th of 2024. That doesn't mean Georgia is going to be some afterthought. Georgia is one of the premier battleground states in the nation, one of four or five states seen at this moment as truly competitive in next year's race for the White House. Republicans are going so far as to saying it's a must-win state, that if Georgia goes blue, they have no chance of picking up other battleground states in the upper Midwest that could be even closer. Democrats would love to solidify their hold on a state that before 2020 hadn't gone their way in almost three decades. And while the March 12th primary date means Georgia won't be an early voting state, it does mean it still will be at the center of a huge vote. It's being held a week after the March 5th Super Tuesday in Georgia, a week later, is by far the biggest voting state on that date. So Georgia will be the center of the spotlight. What is unknown, though, and we, won't, we really won't really have a good feel of this until January, probably, is whether the, the vote will effectively be over by then, whether the primary will be an afterthought. Because if Donald Trump continues his huge leads over Ron DeSantis and his other rivals, he could have essentially have the nomination not locked up, but on the path to victory by the time Georgia voters go and cast their ballots on March 12th. So now that we have the, uh, the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of being able to look back, what would the 2023 Greg tell the December 2022 Greg about these questions? First, the case against Donald Trump is going to go a lot slower than anticipated. Remember way back I think it was in February, we heard from District Attorney Fonnie Willis saying that decisions were imminent. Well, it's very clear at this moment that imminent to a prosecutor means it's very different than imminent to a reporter or imminent to you dear listeners out there because the wheels of justice move very slowly. And uh, we still at this moment don't have any decision from Fonnie Willis. We might not for another month or so, or even, you know, she said before September 1st. So we should hear sometime in the month of August, but I would tell myself to be patient because we certainly thought that this, that these legal proceedings would be well underway by now. Um, I would also tell myself to continue to very closely watch Governor Kemp and Senator Warnock, Governor Kemp for this cycle, Senator Warnock for next cycle for 2028, who knows, uh, when it could be when you will not have a Democratic incumbent on the ballot and we know his ambitions still run high. And Governor Kemp has indeed become the national player that we thought he would be way back when. Um, he still hasn't taken any real concrete steps towards running for president. He, we still haven't seen him go to Iowa or New Hampshire or Nevada or South Carolina. We still haven't seen him build up a campaign operation. Uh, but at the same time, 
if you look at the GOP field, you look at Ron DeSantis, you look at the others who are running well behind Donald Trump, you could see that there's maybe a sliver of a window opening, just like a lot of Kemp supporters in Washington have said that he's this break the emergency glass type of candidate. If no one really emerges as a credible challenger to Donald Trump, you know, they could kind of throw out all the, the baby with the bathwater and start all over again. Well, Governor Kemp could be that guy. Where do Georgia Democrats go from here? Well, we're going to see very quickly how galvanized, how polarized Democrats are by these Supreme Court rulings. We thought that Roe v. Wade would kind of upend the midterm elections, and certainly they did, especially in some other key states and key elections, and they played a major role here in Georgia too. But poll after poll after poll showed that as important as abortion was to so many voters, the economy and public safety was also very important. And that helped Governor Kemp win his victory over Stacey Abrams. And then the advice I'd give to myself, speaking from July 2023, way back to December 2022, is, yeah, I shouldn't have spent as much time about Georgia's DNC bid uh, that was ultimately doomed from speaking with many, many public officials who were involved, hands-on involved in Atlanta's DNC bid. A lot of confidence that Atlanta would get the Democratic National Convention. Obviously, we know now that it's going to Chicago. A lot of time, energy, resources were spent on trying to push that bid. Um, you know, maybe it sets Georgia up for 2028 or for another convention cycle down the road. Uh, but to say that Democratic officials here in Georgia were disappointed is an understatement. At the same time, they weren't as disappointed that Georgia didn't get an early voting slot because it looked like such a long shot to begin with without Republican support. That was something that needed sign off from the Republican Secretary of State. And, you know, even the tacit support of Governor Kemp would have helped, but instead neither of those officials backed the idea at all. That again could be another thing we watch in 2028 as there's a renewed push to make Georgia an early voting state. Well, that is all the time we have for today's look back into the big questions we thought way back in December would shape 2023. We'd love to hear your thoughts about them, your answers to those questions, or what questions you might have, you know, in hindsight, you might add to that list. We'd love to hear your questions. You can call our Politically Georgia podcast hotline anytime, ask those questions, add to our list, even answer some of the questions we just posed yourself. That number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Let us hear from you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can find links to all the stories we talked about today in the episode summary of this podcast. We release new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.